afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Rounding the News. My name is Liam Sturgis, and I am your host for this weekly news roundup presented by Rounding the Earth. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that you can support the show by sending us a rumble rant or a tip on Rockfin or Odyssey, wherever you are watching. And more importantly, I invite you to join us on our uh, Locals community where I have posted the links to today's show notes, as well as the live streaming uh, platforms where you can watch the show. And you can join the community as a free member or a paid subscriber uh, for a minimum of $5 a month to gain access to our weekly locals exclusive live streams where we talk about subjects that are fresh on our minds, but maybe not quite yet ready for prime time. So you can even get a month of free premium support using the code UNFLATTEN, which is also found in the pinned comment on randomgeareth.locals.com. Now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. So our first story, it's a rather sad one. Indeed, alcohol-related illnesses and deaths spiked after the declaration of a pandemic. After the World Health Organization declared a public health emergency of international concern, or fake, in March 2020, self-medication with alcohol spiked, as anyone who was paying any amount of attention could have predicted. Spoiler alert, I wasn't paying attention. In fact, I admit I went down the self-medication route. My relationship with alcohol has been tenuous ever since as I work my way out of the slog known as the alcohol trap. Now, according to Statistics Canada, deaths directly attributed to alcohol broke down to, in 2019, we had 3,200. That jumped to 3,790 in 2020 and 3,875 in 2021. Statistics for 2022 are not yet available. Still, these older numbers are already enough to indicate a disaster. While all age groups were affected, it was people younger than 65 years that turned most aggressively to drinking. As described in the StatsCan release, I quote, the 18% increase from 2019 to 2020 was the largest year-over-year -year change in alcohol-induced deaths seen in at least the last 20 years. The effects of this increase were felt most among those aged younger than 65 years. The number of alcohol-induced deaths from 2019 to 2020 in this age group increased by 27% from 1,955 to 2,490. Okay, in other words, the age group that was at no meaningful risk of being seriously harmed by COVID-19 was hurt and killed as a direct result of the sudden, intense, and prolonged shattering of healthy life as they knew it. Now, yesterday, the Toronto Star reported on a study out of Ontario's Institute for Clinical Evaluative Sciences, or ICES, that found a 22% jump 
in visits to physicians, including family doctors, psychiatrists, and addiction medicine specialists. I quote, lead author and Ottawa Hospital family physician Dr. Daniel Myran said the data collected between March 2020 and May 2021 also show a 6% increase in hospitalizations. These are people who are being hospitalized with alcohol dependence or withdrawal or seizures or problems like that, he said. Or they've drunk enough that you've eroded the lining of your stomach or you've given yourself pancreatitis, end quote. Now, for their part, the government of Alberta, or the, yeah, the province of Alberta, the government seems to had and have had enough of it. After the Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse and Addiction announced earlier this month that it would be updating its guidance, Alberta Health Services is updating its own website to clarify the risk of serious harm from even small amounts of alcohol. I quote, the risk is low for someone who consumes two standard drinks or less per week. That's not per day, that is per week. While the risk of certain types of cancer increases when consuming three to six drinks per week. Each additional drink per week radically increases the risk of alcohol-related consequences, including heart disease and stroke, according to the new guidelines. Albertans have the right to make informed decisions about their health. The new guidelines provide important information to help Albertans reduce their risk regarding alcohol use, AHS said in a statement to Post Media. If only AHS applied the same reasoning to new and repurposed COVID-19 products. Error in law identified in BC vaccine passport case. The Canadian Society for the Advancement of Science and Pub or in Public Policy, CSASPP, or as I've been told to call it, CSAP, provided an update on one of their several lawsuits on Tuesday this week. From the CSAP website, I quote, You will recall, on 12 September 2022, in a long and largely technical ruling, Chief Justice Hinkson, dismissed our petition seeking judicial review of various injection passport-related public health orders of Dr. Bonnie Henry. We are still waiting the scheduling of a hearing date for the appeal. However, our factum has just been published. The Chief Justice made a number of mistakes, and I will leave the factum to speak for itself. But I will discuss a major one that I'm surprised he made. Now, as a reminder, Dr. Bonnie Henry is the provincial health officer for the province of British Columbia. Kip Warner, executive director of CSAP, explains that Judge Hinkson ignored a key fact of law under Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. In short, his decision to dismiss the case was based on the belief that there was no threat of arrest in regard to the vaccine passport policies being challenged, therefore bypassing the requirement to conduct an analysis of the constitutionality of the policies. However, Warner notes that both Judge Hinkson and Bonnie Henry were likely not aware that there was indeed threat of imprisonment included in one of Henry's public health orders. I quote, in Dr. Henry's public health order of March 10, 2022, gatherings and events, buried down in her list of named definitions on page seven, she defined an event to mean, among other things, a gathering of participants for a symphony performance. 
She defined a participant to include an audience member or a spectator. So far, so good. Under section B2 on page 11, a participant must be vaccinated. Under section G on page 15, she warned that failure to comply with this order is an offense under section 991K of under Section 991K of the Public Health Act, it says that a person commits an offense under Section 42 if they fail to comply with an order of a health officer. Under Section 42, duty to comply with orders, a person named or described in an order made under this part must comply with the order. What happens if you don't comply with an order made under the Public Health Act? The answer is buried in Section 108. 1A, which says that you are liable on conviction to a fine not exceeding $25,000 or to imprisonment for a term not exceeding six months or to both. Describing the prior decision as an error of law, Warner speculates that this will require the court to remit the petition back to the Supreme Court for fresh consideration. The updated factum has been published for all to review. And of course, the link to this and everything else I'm referencing is included in the show notes, a link to which you can find at roundingtheearth.locals.com. You can follow CSAP's efforts on their website, which is CSAP, C-S-A-S-P-P.com, I think. Again, link in the show notes, where you can also choose to support and uh, replenish their legal war chest, so to speak. All right, moving on. Ukraine asks for nuclear weapons. Now, I realize this is not a picture of someone firing a nuclear weapon, but I thought it was a pretty cool picture. And look, everyone knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time. But this came way faster than expected, about a month ahead of schedule, depending on who you ask. Over the last several months, there has been a steady and bountiful stream of weapons making their way from Western nations to Ukraine. The situation has evolved nearly from day to day as of late, with countries insisting one day that they will not send certain things, then completely changing their mind the following day. The United States is getting ready to send a fresh batch of missiles. As part of a new $2 billion US package of military aid, Spain is considering sending four to six leopard tanks, and France made the country positively giddy by offering an anti-missile radar system, which Ukraine's Minister of Defense, Alexei Reznikov described as the cherry on the cake. But what is even better than missiles, tanks, and radar systems? What could be even better than fighter jets? Why, nukes, of course! Now, I'm going to have Alex Christoforu of the Duran explain this part. One thing that, uh, that we talked about in my video a couple of days ago was, uh, was the constant ex escalation in what the Ukraine government is asking for in terms of weapons. And I said in my video the other day that we started with, with, uh, with helmets, and then we moved on to to drones and then to HIMARS and now we're on to tanks and now there's this back and forth about fighter jets and I said in my video you watch 
pretty soon someone in Ukraine is going to say, we want nukes. You watch, someone is going to say it. Well, I thought that would take like maybe like a month or two. Uh-uh, it took a day or two because we have the Ukrainian ambassador to Germany, Alexei Makiev, saying this. The security guarantee is what we thought we got from the Budapest Memorandum back in 1994. But unfortunately, these were not guarantees. That's why we want to start this discussion. In other words, we want to talk about getting nukes. <laughs> That's it. It only took them two days to go from fighter jets to nukes. That's it. Two days. And we have the Ukraine. Yes, indeed. As the end of day's prophet says, well, it is February tax month. Where else are Americans money going? Very good point. And look, nukes are scary and all, but I think this this tweet and this video accurately sums up the true extent of the outside help that Ukraine needs at this point. <laughs> Yes, funnily enough, I believe this is live footage, live from the Ukrainian battlefield. Now, yes, this is, uh, this all looks rather impressive to you and I as non-military folks. But you need to understand that these have been sitting just in a bunker somewhere in Nevada, out of use for decades. So, you know, sending them to Ukraine. Let him have it. <laughs> Giant robot camels. Dear me. I heard former President uh, Clinton flew on that particular craft once. All jokes aside, now look, because it came up in my feed as I was hunting down the prior video, let's get Donald Trump's take on the matter. He is running for president, after all. Disaster is brewing. If I were president, the Russia-Ukraine war would never have happened, never in a million years. But even now, if I were president, I'd be able to negotiate an end to this horrible and rapidly escalating war within 24 hours. It can be done. You have to say the right things, not the wrong things. I think we helped lead Russia into that war by saying, well, if they took a small part of the country, that would be okay. Such a tragic waste of human life. When you look at all that's happening there, those cities are obliterated. First comes the tanks, and then come the nukes. Get this crazy war ended now. It can be done. And in fact, it's easy to get done. When I'm president, we will be a strong country again. People will never be playing these games like they've been doing to the United States of America. They don't respect us anymore. They respected us greatly two and a half years ago. They don't respect us anymore. Thank you very much. Now, look, you know what's interesting? I'm going to go off script for a sec here. Um, I noticed something peculiar about that particular video and I, I my partner sam told me that she she feels that video may actually not be as new 
as I thought it was. But you see what he did there. If you look at what he actually said, there's only one part that even seems to be directly attributable to any one side. It sounded like he was talking about potentially Russia's taking of, of uh, Crimea. So that would be a specific situation that has occurred. But the rest of it, you know, first come the tanks, then come the nukes. That could either mean what the U.S. and the Western nations are sending to Ukraine, or it could be referencing what the Russian army might do in terms of combating Ukraine. First come the tanks and then come the nukes. And I realized, oh, my goodness. Has he always talked like that? Has he all because that's a I'm not complimenting him other than to say, I think that is intentional. I think that was a very skillful verbal manipulation right there. Very interesting. Just something I noticed. But now let's get to the meat of today. And uh, I'm pretty excited about part of this. So look, Project Veritas's Pfizer Gate story deserves a thoughtful response and not the knee-jerk reaction that some people have actually applauded on the side of the resistance, quote-unquote. And there's plenty of reason for this, right? Not the least of which is the fact that it deals with subject matter that demands nuance and a certain amount of background knowledge to properly interpret. Nothing about the COVID-19 event has been as simple as it looks. And this is not the first time a large swath of people have grabbed hold of something without taking a moment to breathe. So, let's breathe. Okay. So, on January 25th, Project Veritas publishes a video appearing to show a representative of Pfizer admitting that the pharma giant is planning to manipulate the SARS-CoV-2 virus in order to get ahead of new variants before they outcompete their vaccines. That's the tweet on the left. This was followed up the next day with a second video in which Veritas's James O'Keefe confronts the man whose name is given as Jordan Tristan Walker. Walker appears to be in disbelief at the whole situation, quickly becoming agitated and eventually physically lashing out at O'Keefe and his crew. Interestingly, Twitter has marked that second tweet with this following, or the, 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 the following media includes potentially sensitive content. Um, okay, so I can't remember off the top of my head who I heard say it over the last couple of days, but I will repeat it. Nobody came out of this looking good at least as far as the physical confrontation goes, right? Now, look, there are definitely questions being asked. For example, who is Jordan Tristan Walker? What did Tristan Walker actually say? And what has the response been from all concerned parties? The general public, from uh, Jordan Walker, from Pfizer, from uh, the dissidents. Uh, I thought I would approach this with my skeptical eye and see if I could identify which questions aren't yet being asked. So, Jordan Tristan Walker. This is the best picture I could get of him. 
For a man so abruptly thrust into the spotlight, it seems it's been rather hard to actually discover some basic details even about Jordan Tristan Walker. Part of that is likely thanks to Google's deployment of their new favorite tool for quote-unquote combating disinformation, which is to utterly break their own search engine. Um, so who is he, though? Because in the video, Walker is introduced as Pfizer Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, and mRNA Scientific Planning. A series of follow-up tweets provide several screenshots um, with further details, including a variant on his title, which is Director Scientific and Operational Initiatives. So that's that's two different titles right off the bat. Uh, somewhat close, but all right. Um, the tweet on the left here reads, Project Veritas has just obtained internal Pfizer docs further verifying Jordan Walker is Pfizer director, research and development strategic operations. Now I'm going to take a quick sidebar to say, yes, I see this. Stephanie Ramirez, BCG at Davos with WEF. And that's referring to the Boston Consulting Group, who just recently, I believe the head of the Boston Consulting Group was in Davos at the World Economic Forum. Now, this refers to an entirely separate and equally important line of investigation, which I'm going to direct people. Well, credit goes to George Webb and Mark Kulag, and I'm going to direct people specifically to GigaOM Biological. Uh, there's going to be a link. In fact, there is one in the show notes. And at the end, we're going to touch on it briefly, where you can watch JJ Cooey go through and dissect uh, that line of research as presented in a Twitter space by George Webb and Mark Kulag and a couple of others. So, Stephanie, thank you for bringing that up. But interestingly, this is an entirely different realm of research we're about to dive into. But these are the screenshots, right? We also learn that he reports to someone named, oh, let's see, Shuang Sarah Wu, listed as Senior Director of Pipeline Planning and Scientific Information. And you see there's little bits here. There's organizational charts. There's screenshots of what appears to be a, like a version of a LinkedIn profile. But here on the on the right here, you can see this Shuang Sara Wu. Okay, now this is this is going to be important. But first, for the record, I object <laughs> to Project Veritas's characterization of these quick smartphone pictures as quote internal documents. This is certainly a website which can be converted into a format that could be much easier to verify than these current screenshot formats. As is, until someone either finds a public version of these same or comparable profiles online, or a more concrete leak occurs from within Pfizer or associated groups, I consider this to be a version of hearsay, personally. Nonetheless, the information contained within can still lead us to firmer, firmer ground, okay? So, let's look at Wu, because she's at least got a picture listed here. So, Wu, Walker's ostensive supervisor slash senior, is someone whose employment at Pfizer was much easier for me to substantiate. 
She was, for example, listed as a co-author on this study uh, titled Achieving End-to-End Success in the Clinic, Pfizer's Learnings on R&D Productivity, published in December 2021. And if you look on screen, you can see that she is uh, listed, uh, among others, including uh, Michael or Mikhail Dolston, who is much more widely understood. And ex- it, he's a he's a he's a senior Pfizer executive for real. People know that. So and Worldwide Research Development and Medical Pfizer Inc. That's the affiliation of all these groups. And Stephanie, you bring up a good point. We are going on screenshots, nothing more a la Twitter files. Precisely. And I, I was going to include a note that this is the criticism that Ryan Christian of The Last American Vagabond has made about the Twitter files. These are not internal documents. These are screenshots. They may be screenshots of internal documents, but that requires us to place trust in the people releasing it. And I do not trust the people releasing it personally. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not real. It means what they have presented so far is not verifiable. So this, what we're going to do now, what we started doing with Wu, is going to be a process of trying to verify. So carrying on. Now, in fairness, okay, everything I just said about Project Veritas and about uh, the Twitter files, all of that, okay, all of that said, what I'm about to share, and for the remainder of the video, I consider this research to be preliminary. The two sources that I'm going to show you for what I have found so far are not what I would consider reliable or verifiable. And more work on my part and anyone else who chooses to engage in it is required to try to bypass what looks to be a scrubbing of information that is taking place all around Jordan Walker and his contacts. Rocket Reach, for example, is a website. Oh, yeah, I, I brought this up. This is caution. Remember, caution is warranted. And this is me throwing up a caution sign right now to characterize what I'm going to show you. But this, Rocket Reach, okay, is usually, for example, a site that I find to host more or less, well, actually always so far that I've seen accurate information about current and former positions held by a given person, uh, especially if they're high enough profile, okay? But this, as you can see, this is what Wu's profile looks like right now. Profile not found. The profile you were looking for no longer exists. Okay. However, others appear. Again, asterisk. I know what I just said about the Twitter files. I know what Stephanie is saying. So all of that, I'm saying I'm about to do that too. And I know that's what I'm doing. Others seem to have captured screenshots of various such profiles before the scrubbing. Now, let's see what they said. And this is my final disclaimer. Okay? Caution. There are multiple, possibly even many people named Shuang Wu on the internet. It is possible that the Shuang Wu who works at Pfizer with Jordan Walker is different than the person whose work history I detail starting with the next sentence. So, Wu's previous employer looks to have been a company called Selecta Biosciences. You can see in this screenshot, you got a red box. Someone had highlighted her role at Pfizer. But if you look just below that, you see Senior Manager, Strategy and Business Development at Selecta Biosciences. I'm going to show you thus far the second screenshot. 
that I have been able to identify. Stephanie Ramirez says, at least you're disclaiming it good on you. Thank you. Well, that's the key. We can't, we can't stop ourselves from asking questions. And then when we find preliminary answers, you know, sometimes the whole point is to then hand that off to someone else to, to help in the process of verifying. And that's what I'm hoping to do. Anyway, so thank you, Stephanie. This is where things get really interesting, but let me show you this. This is the second piece. Again, a, a screenshot. I did, I did find this actual website. So at least I found this particular one. I took this screenshot. And yes, all of this is included in the show notes, okay? Now look, okay, this is where things get really interesting. Bear with me. Select a biosciences is in the business of developing something they call the mTOR platform. mTOR, according to the company's website, allows for the development of antigen-specific tolerogenic therapies that may selectively mitigate unwanted immune responses. Now, if you are picking up what I'm laying down here before I get to it, Please put it in the chat. I'm going to read the description on the website itself, okay? We believe our clinically validated mTOR platform has broad applicability and allows us to develop antigen-specific tolerogenic therapies that may selectively mitigate unwanted immune responses. Jumping ahead a bit, we are investigating the potential of mTOR and mTOR-IL in overcoming autoimmunity and unwanted immunogenicity. Okay, now... Isn't that serendipitous? Autoimmune diseases are specifically noted as an adverse event of concern following injection with COVID-19 gene therapy, quote unquote, vaccines. Wow. Now, borrowing from a paper published by a Chinese research group in December 2021, we have a fun list of such autoimmune diseases for e easy visualization. Those include vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia, immune thrombocytopenic purpura, autoimmune liver diseases, Guillain-Barre syndrome, IgA nephropathy, autoimmune polyarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, Graves' disease, type 1 diabetes mellitus, and systemic lupus erythematosus. Funny, at least a couple of those are treated by hydroxychloroquine. Anyway, can anyone think of a more lucrative set of back-to-back -back positions for someone like Shuang Sarah Wu if it does indeed turn out to be the same person. Let me spell it out. The product that this company is developing is to combat the dysregulation of an immune system. The company she then went to work for, Pfizer, just rolled out a product that dysregulates the immune system. Okay, it gets even weirder. Selecta is a portfolio company of flagship pioneering, the venture capital firm that incubated and launched Moderna. And this is not a passing connection. The founder of Flagship, Nubar Afayan, is also a co-founder of Moderna itself. In fact, one of the earliest investors to jump onto Selecta after Flagship was 
Timothy Springer, a Harvard professor who became a billionaire in 2020 because of his founding investment in Moderna. Oh, boy. Okay. On Selecta's portfolio page, they elaborate on the specific use cases of their technology. One section explains that it has the potential to induce adeno-associated virus, or AAV, vector-specific immune tolerance, reducing the severity of the body's response to AAV gene therapy and enabling repeat administrations. You know, I didn't know what AAV was, but I know what adenoviruses are. At least I know where I've heard that term before. And you know what? Janssen, the developer of one of the two adenovirus vector COVID-19 gene therapies in North America, uh, known as AD26.COV2.S, entered into a development deal to work with AAV for gene therapy in 2019. I found a paper published in 2017 titled Adeno-Associated Virus, AAV, as a vector for gene therapy written by researchers at Janssen. I don't know whether the adenovirus used in Janssen's COVID shot is at all related to AAV. This is an area of science I have never before been exposed to. I just don't know the answer. But even if it's not the case that they're related, others have certainly tried it out. Take this group of Chinese researchers and their paper titled Development of an Adeno-Associated Virus Vectored SARS-CoV-2 Vaccine and Its Immunogenicity in Mice. And hey, Jay, Jay Cooey, they even mentioned transfection in the paper. Okay, now before I go to the next part, Stephanie Ramirez asked, Moderna DARPA funded? No. Yes, it is. They received multiple grants from DARPA, but uh, but that does not replace flagship's role flagship was the venture capital firm that that uh that that kickstarted moderna and then darpa was one of the agencies that officially after it was launched then gave it huge development grants there's question as to whether that also was the case before it was launched but flagship pioneering was the 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 venture capital firm that actually did that that actually put it you know into existence but the, the DARPA and the BARDA funding, now that is something for another day. But yes, the answer is yes. So who is, who is Selecta working with? Well, um, they are developing products with, specifically, Ginkgo Bioworks, Astellas, Genovis, Takeda. Takeda, of course, being the Japanese pharmaceutical company that does the fill and finish. They were the ones responsible for the metal shards, the stainless steel found in the vials in Japan. Cyrus Biotechnology, Sarepta Therapeutics, Sobi, and Ask Bio, which is a subsidiary of Bayer. Okay. Apart from flagship pioneering, companies with significant stakes... Oh, here's the other slide with the collaborators. Companies with significant stakes in Selecta include BlackRock, Vanguard, and J.B. Morgan Chase. And to be fair, they invest in basically any pharmaceutical company worth a damn along with a lesser-known venture capital firm called Mangrove Partners. Interestingly, Mangrove appears to have recently acquired a significant amount of stock in Twitter. What that implies 
it was in November 2022 that this occurred, which suggests to me that Mangrove Partners was one of the groups that Elon Musk went to to co-finance his purchase of Twitter. Now, isn't that a coincidence? Okay, so we are left with more questions than answers. For example, one question is, can we confirm or refute the assertion that Shuang Sarah Wu did indeed work at Selecta Biosciences before moving to Pfizer? This is where I hope to be a role model for caution. Yes, I chose to report what I found in this preliminary research, in large part because it led to my discovery of Selecta Biosciences and their very convenient technology, as it is exactly what one would predict would be the next phase of gene therapy after dysregulating the immune systems of millions of people around the world. The example I gave in a phone call to someone last night was, you roll out the opioid crisis, then you roll out Narcan. No matter how we got there, this is the biggest piece of new information that I found here, okay? If Wu is the connecting thread between Selecta and Pfizer, well, that makes the Project Veritas story infinitely more interesting. But I will wait until I can confidently substantiate this further than what I've found so far before presenting this as 100% true fact. Others with different areas of expertise and interest will continue to tackle the issues related to directed evolution or whether gain of function really is the existential threat that the mass of dissidents appears to perceive it to be. Caution is always wise and impatience is always foolish. But most of the time, it's your gut that you've got to follow. And my gut is telling me that Matthew Crawford and Jonathan Cooey may be about to make very good use of this new Selecta-shaped twist in the plot. And whether or not that is the case, today, I am very proud of myself. So my advice to you is to go over to GigaOm Biological on Twitch and Rounding the Earth on Substack. They may very well pick up on this story from here. Even if they don't, follow them if you haven't already. You will not be led astray. That's it for today, folks. If you have enjoyed the show, please don't forget to drop us a Rumble rant on Rumble or a tip on Rockfin or Odyssey. And before you leave, go sign up as a member of our locals community at www.roundingtheearth.locals.com. Snag yourself a free month of premium support using the promo code included in the pinned comment on Locals, after which you can keep us going and gain access to behind-the-scenes discussions that we're keeping within our more intimate community. I have been Liam Sturgis, and you can find me at www.liamsturgis.com or at Twitter at the Liam Sturgis. Last but not least, Stephanie Ramirez says, gonna go attend a funeral, blood clots, no joke, catch rest later, excellent work and good advice. Stephanie, I'm very sorry for your loss, and I hope the funeral goes well. Um, I cheers, thank you. Thank you all for watching. I will see you again on Tuesday. Goodbye, guys. Mm -hmm.